Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchais, the laws of Malve, Velova, lender and borrower. Pedic Hamishoso, chapter 15. If somebody makes a loan to his fellow with witnesses, there are witnesses. It's an oral loan with witnesses. The Omar, and he said, Listen, my friend, I'm making this loan to you in front of witnesses. Don't repay me without witnesses. Whether he said it at the time of loan origination. Or he told him afterwards, at a different time, later in the game. The borrower must honor the lender's request and he must only repay him in front of witnesses. Because of this condition, we learned earlier, any condition in business is a condition. What if the borrower says, that's exactly what I did? I repaid it in front of witnesses. The guy says, really, where, who? I repaid you in front of Moshe and Aaron. So he says, produce the witnesses. Ah, they're across the sea. They went overseas. They moved to Pakistan. A Mesu, or better yet, they died. On the borrowers believed. Why? Because he, he claims he did exactly what was demanded of him. He paid him back in front of witnesses. What should he do, as the Rambam says later? Imprison the witnesses and not let them move? The Nishba Shavuos Hesus, and he takes a rabbinic oath, when if their need is exempt from payment. So also, if the lender made all kinds of demands, he says, when you repay me, repay me in front of Torah scholar witnesses. I don't want just shoemaker witnesses. I want Torah scholar witnesses. We have a doctor here. At least one. Or... I want you to pay me before doctors. I only trust doctors. They're the only honest people in the world. And he said to him, I paid you in front of Torah scholars. I paid you in front of doctors. So he says, fine, where are the Torah scholars? Where are the doctors? He says, oh, they died. They moved overseas to Pakistan. They are believed. He's believed because he followed the instructions. At least he claims he did. He takes the rabbinic oath, and if there is exempt. But the plot thickens. If he says to him, I want you to repay me in front of Mr. A and Mr. B. I'll name the witnesses. And the, lend, the borrower says, I repaid you in front of other witnesses. Who died or went overseas. He's not believed. It's exactly this reason why he said, I want you to repay me in front of these specified witnesses. Only repay me in front of Reuben and Shimon, Mr. A and Mr. B. You are standing with him. In order that he not in order that he not give him all kinds of arguments and tell him I paid you in front of other witnesses. They went here, they went there, they died. That's why he says I need to give an introduction to this long paragraph. Again, we've established that when the Rambam says my teachers, he means Rabbi Yosef of Gash. 
and his teacher, the Rif. These are the two teachers that the Rambam refers to as his teachers. Now, generally speaking, when your teacher says something, or when your teacher says something, it's very hard for you to argue and say, I disagree. A student, uh, it's tough to disagree with the teacher. But here's a situation where the Rambam clearly disagrees with his teachers. And it's about this subject matter. So here, the Rambam gives a long explanation saying, where do halachic codifiers get their opinion from? Because they study the Mishnah, and they study the Talmud, and they see what opinions are issued in the Mishnah and in the Talmud. They accept these opinions, and that's how they give their codification. Says the Rambam, the reason I disagree with my teachers is because my teachers had a different version of words in the Talmud than I have. And to this day, we talk about different versions of words that crept in here and there. Nuschaot, that's what it's called, different versions. So therefore, my teachers say this and this, because that's what they read in their Talmud. But I have a better authenticated version because I did research. And therefore, I know had they seen my version, they would have agreed with me. Now let's learn. Yesh nuschois minagimara, there are certain versions of Talmudic teaching, in which is written, this specific thing is a text in Shavuos 41 A and B, where if somebody says to his fellow, only repay me in front of witnesses, and he says to him, I paid you in front of this and this witness, and they moved overseas, and he's not believed. Says the Rambam Bito Svorimhi, this is simply an erroneous version of Talmud. And therefore, those teachers who rule according to those according to those versions of Talmud are making a mistake because the version of Talmud is a mistake. I researched the old versions. I went to libraries, I checked, I looked. I searched on the internet, and I found out that there is a version that says Shunemon. And that's why I say he's believed. In fact, in Egypt, where the Rambam lived, I found an old version of Talmud, written on old parchment, as they were written some 500 years ago, and I found two versions on these old parchments. If I said, I repaid, says the borrower in front of so-and-so, and they went overseas, and their money is believed, because of the above error that crept into some of the versions, some of these scholars ruled. The Ramam is referring to his teachers. If he said to him, only repay me in front of, and he gives the specified names of the witnesses. And he repaid him in front of others, that he's not believed. Even though he delivered the witnesses. This is also a great error. The truth is, of the law, that if the witnesses in front of whom he repaid the loan showed up 
and testified so, Nifter is exempt. There isn't even a doubt, without a doubt. Also, this ruling, is according to their book, which was written concerning the fellow who said to his fellow, the man who said to his friend, we just learned this earlier, pay me in front of Torah scholars or doctors, and he paid him in front of other witnesses. This is also a mistake in the version. And I found where it says in the old versions, Azal pare and he went and paid him in private, quote unquote. Even though these decks have been carefully edited, so it appears to me from the judgment of the Talmud. Furthermore, not only does it appear from the version of the Talmud, but Dvarim Shalda saying it's logical as well that he has to be believed. Why? What should he do? If he tells him, only repay me in front of certain witnesses, and he repays him with witnesses, should he lock up the witnesses in jail? And if they did die, what should he do? Resurrect them. It's not a bad idea. In your theory, this guy is going to have to keep repaying the same loan a hundred times every time the witnesses disappear or die. Suddenly you've made this a documented loan. You can't do that. You can't take from an oral loan and transform it into a documented loan. Meaning that he said, don't repay me only in front of witnesses. Nobody ever considers doing such a thing. If he said, do not repay except in the presence of so-and-so, who he is the cause of his own loss. Because he paid in front of others and they left. But if the witnesses came and testified, there is no doubt. Because and this is what should be ruled. Okay, Gimel 3. What if the lender issues a stipulation, enters into a stipulation with the borrower? That the lender should have credibility. In other words, the borrower comes to the lender and he says, Hey, lend me $100. Guys, I can't lend you nothing. You're going to come up with all kinds. He says, Listen. What if we stipulate in the document that whatever you say, you will be believed? So if you, Mr. Lender, say you weren't repaid, you're going to be believed under all cases. In that case, the lender can always collect without an oath. Even though the borrower is screaming, I paid him. But that's the stipulation. Remember we said in business, anything two people agree to is, is, is done. But if he brought witnesses that he paid him, you can have all the stipulations in the world. Witnesses are witnesses. He collects nothing. What if the agreement between lender and borrower were that the borrower's word should be as valid as the testimony of two witnesses? Even though the lender brought witnesses that he paid him, but remember he stipulated that the borrower's word should have the power of the witnesses. The borrower could collect without an oath. Why? 
Nobody asked you to agree to this stipulation. Because he gave him credibility, like two witnesses. Now, before we learn further, I must clearly state that there is a rule in Torah that two witnesses are not any worse than three, or four, or a hundred. Two witnesses and a hundred witnesses are the same. Even if the borrower brought a hundred witnesses, that he repaid them, a hundred witnesses are no better than two witnesses. And he said to the lender, you will be believed like two witnesses. That's testimony. You know, you're in a court of law. Two witnesses testify one thing, and three witnesses testify another thing. And a hundred makes no difference. It's all the same. Shashnayim kimeya, because in Torah law, two witnesses are like a hundred witnesses. However, sometimes it's not so simple. But if he says to him, You, Mr. Lender, will have credibility with me like three witnesses. These are his words. Aha. Uh -huh. There must be something valuable to him about three witnesses. Being that he enters into numbers. In that case, if he brings four witnesses that he repaid him, obviously four are better than three. Because the Borrower and lender, it mentioned three. Now, the fact that there is a stipulation entered into, that this particular lender will be believed like two witnesses, how could he possibly repay and be believed that he repaid? The lender will keep popping up with this stipulation on believed like two witnesses. The answer is, very simple solution, let him tear up the document. Let him put big holes in the document and put paid. Or let him go to court. Who? The lender himself. And let him make a, uh, let him declare, let him make a declaration. I do declare that I invalidate all documents to this guy. Or he should testify on his own, not in the presence of the borrower, that he accepted and received all loans due in front of the court. What if he was repaid? And the lender argued he was not repaid. The borrower paid, and the lender says, And he has this condition of, belief, of credibility. So he paid him a second time. The fact is that he did pay him. So the borrower who paid twice can sue the lender who collected twice. And he can tell him, You owe me so and so. Because I paid you twice. If the lender confesses that he took advantage of this document, Yeshalami should pay. If he denies and he says, I only collected once, let him take a rabbinic oath that he only paid once. Is there anything similar? Now we switch the tables. The tables turn. What if the borrower says, I want to be believed every time I say I paid? You're going to hack me a chinik. I want a stipulation of credibility. And he gave it, he can't use this document 
to collect not from an heir and not from a buyer. Even the borrower says, I admit, I didn't pay. The lender cannot go collect from buyers of the borrower's property. Why? Maybe the lender and the buyer, borrower are not honest, and maybe they made a behind-the-door deal, saying, I'll say you still owe me, go beat up my buyers. What if the borrower argued and said, I repaid some, and the lender says, Nada. He pays the little bit that he agreed he owes, then he takes a rabbinic oath, because he trusted him. If his condition established that he would believe, be believed without a rabbinic oath, whatever condition you establish, that's what's, be, that's what's the fact is, Zion, the closing paragraph in this chapter, she gave a b'leshvua, what if the lender stipulated that he can collect without oaths? He collects without oaths. That works with him. But if he comes to collect from his heirs, he shall let him swear and then collect. But if he takes out a condition that he can collect even from the air without an oath, that's the condition. Stipulations are agreed upon between two people are clear, are, are good. If he stipulated that he can take, he can collect from his best real estate, we learn that creditors collect from the average real estate, what it, from the medio, mediocre real estate. What if he says, I want idis, I want the best? And that's what he stipulated. He can collect from the best. Even from the air. This is the bottom line. Any condition entered into between two people with financial, in financial agreements is sustainable. But if he's coming to collect from the buyer, uh-uh. the person cannot stipulate what his buyer should lose. He should only expropriate with an oath because no person can stipulate conditions which will cause a loss with someone else. Here the buyer is being hurt. End of chapter 15.